What is up, fantasy football family? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Sage Podcast. It's your host, Michael Fercano, here as always to give you the latest news and advice to dominate your leagues. It's Friday, October 2nd. We got episode 19, Stars and Sits by Matchup, part one for week four. What a freaking mouthful. I am going to split this up into two episodes like I do every week. We do this by design. We're going to do part one today, part two tomorrow. We don't want to run a marathon lengthy podcast. Ain't nobody got time for that. We're in and out like a bank heist, you know? Only our loot is a championship and the tears of our opponents that we're going to feast upon. Okay, all right. That may have come out just a little bit sinister. You know, it has a lot to do with, I just finished season two of Cobra Kai and I'm on this no mercy kick, all right? If you aren't in it to win it, if you aren't showing no mercy, okay? You need to go play Pokemon Go on your phone at the mall or something. Okay. I'm pumped. I've got like a month, almost a month's worth of football just like coursing through my veins. It feels awesome. I know you probably jacked as well. Not to mention, I got a great show lined up for you. So without wasting any more time, let's get into this thing, huh? We're going to kick it off with some news like we always do. The Pittsburgh Steelers and Tennessee Titans game. We didn't have any clarity earlier this week. We do now. It's been postponed after an outbreak of positive coronavirus tests within the Titans organization. Uh, It's been rescheduled for week seven. First and foremost, I want to offer condolences to players, staff, family, and friends that are affected by this. We wish them a speedy recovery. Now, obviously, we're not starting any of the the players, fantasy players, this weekend on our roster. So we will, at some point, go over some last-minute waiver considerations. Wide receiver Terry McLaurin of the Washington football team was listed as questionable for the team's Week 4 game against the Baltimore Ravens. However, he did practice today. So it looks like... Looks like he's he's got a very good chance of playing. However, they are playing an angry Ravens defense. All right, after getting completely steamrolled by the Chiefs last week, I can't imagine that he's going to have a terrific game. I still want to count McLaurin as a wide receiver too. I mean, chances are you probably got to play him no matter what, given all the injuries across the league. So let's count him in as a wide receiver, too. I mean, he's been off to a strong start. 269 yards and a touchdown on 16 receptions. How do you sit the guy, right? Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Scott Miller was able to put in some practice this morning after missing two previous days. So he should have a chance to play in week four. However, it is the Chargers, not the most favorable of matchups. But he will be getting more targets this weekend with fellow wide receiver Chris Godwin ruled out. In my opinion, he's maybe a wide receiver for if you are suffering from injuries or you've got Pittsburgh Steelers and Titans players and you you really need that wide receiver for flex spot filled. I think you can roll them out. So beam me up, Scotty. Get me off this crazy planet. Also for the Bucks, we got two other injuries. Running back Leonard Fournette will not play. And Chris Godwin, we already knew, was going to miss with his hamstring. 
Uh, but it is confirmed by Bruce Arians that neither of those two players will be starting on Sunday. So make sure you are aware of that when setting your rosters. This means it's a Ronald Jones backfield. Not really excited about that. It's going to be a tough matchup. I don't expect the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to do a whole lot unless Tom Brady can get the ball to Mike Evans. We might actually see some Gronkowski work in there. Don't rule it out, folks. So with Chris Godwin, there's no maybe next week. These hamstrings are tricky. We'll get more about that. I know it's frustrating for you, Chris Godwin owners, considering how high you drafted him. You invested a lot in your draft pick, and it just really isn't working out for him. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for owners. Hang tight, and hopefully he gets to the field ASAP. Running back Cam Akers of the Los Angeles Rams is unlikely to play in week four, according to head coach Sean McVay. So this means Darrell Henderson, he's going to be an RB2 against the New York Giants this week. You're absolutely starting him. Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver DJ Chark is likely to return this week as head coach Doug Marone said they're comfortable playing him in week four. They're playing the Cincinnati Bengals, who really haven't given up a whole lot of points to the position the first three weeks. However, I expect Gardner Minshew to have a bounce back after his embarrassing loss to the Miami Dolphins last week. I got DJ Chark as a wide receiver too. Green Bay Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard is out indefinitely after undergoing core muscle surgery this week. He just came off of a career game, had pretty much solidified himself as the number two weapon in the Green Bay passing attack. Devontae Adams is also banged up. He missed week three with a hamstring issue. However, he's back at practice in a limited fashion. Hamstrings are tricky, though. To me, Marquez Valdez-Scantling should be somebody you should be looking at on your waiver wires to pick up. He's going to be a go-to weapon for Aaron Rodgers in what seems to be a pretty high-passing attack offense. Aaron Rodgers is on fire, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, when he doesn't drop passes, is actually a great deep threat. Seattle Seahawks running back Carlos Hyde was limited in practice during Thursday's session. He'll probably be able to play, but we kind of need to know more about his status in the next day or so. His role in the offense this week will depend on Chris Carson's availability as well. I think he can at least be considered as a flex option if Carson is not able to play. For Chris Carson owners, it's probably going to be a game time decision this week. So It's something you're going to have to keep an eye on his status. He has been one of the more reliable fantasy running backs over the last few seasons, and he would be a must-start against the Dolphins. For the San Francisco 49ers, George Kittle and Jarek McKinnon practice fully in Thursday's practice. They should be good to go this weekend. However, Jimmy Garoppolo and Raheem Mostert did not, so it's looking unlikely that they will play this weekend. Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams did not participate in Thursday's practice. He's probably going to be a game-time decision. I would honestly sit him on my bench if you've got more available options. That wraps up player news. Let's get into these week four matchups. First up, we got the Arizona Cardinals playing at the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to start off by saying Kyler Murray can be considered a QB1 weekly giving his rushing floor. All right, he's definitely returned the fifth, sixth, seventh round investment that you put on him in draft stock. He's come out of the gates with 786 passing yards, four touchdowns, and five interceptions. Not great ratios, 
but he's also giving you 187 rushing yards with his legs. If he can limit these turnovers, which I think he can this week, he should be able to, he'll definitely be a top four play for the position. I would fire him up every week as a QB1, no matter what the turnovers. You know he's going to make up for it with his legs. For Kenyon Drake, I know he hasn't lived up to his Twitter hype that he was prepared to win fantasy managers a championship. I mean, he went on a freaking balling spree in 2019 towards the end of the season. He's only rattled off 219 yards and one touchdown on the ground. He's only got five catches on five targets. That's not what we want from a first round or early second round investment. I know. But he does get the Carolina defense. Okay, they've allowed 124 yards per game on the ground. If he doesn't do it this game, we're going to downgrade him to an RB2 until further notice. But this week, I got him as a fringe RB1. Also, Chase Edmonds, he's a steady flex play, believe it or not. And double digit, he's gotten double digit PPR scoring in the last two out of three weeks. All right. If this game gets out of control as far as score goes, which it could very well happen, he's going to see a lot more volume. For the wide receivers in Arizona, you know, oddly, this often seems really high-flying, but yet only one recommended pass catcher is a start, and that's DeAndre Hopkins. Wide receiver one every week. The reason why is that Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, they've been most of the production in the offense. Hopkins has commanded an insane 37 targets through three games. He's turned that into 32 catches for 356 yards and a score. If Murray can actually limit the turnovers like we spoke about a minute ago, we should see that touchdown total rise. But he's given you a weekly target floor of 12 receptions or target. He's given you 12 targets a game. So you're not going to sit him at all. As far as Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, Darren Arnold, I'm not particularly interested in starting any of those other options. On the other side of the ball for Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater is a sit. Yeah, he's averaged a healthy 290 yards per game, which is great for his pass catchers, but not so great for Teddy. Now, when you look at his two touchdowns and two interceptions ratio on the year, that's just not going to get the job done, not as any start-worthy quarterback anywhere in any league format. Yeah, he might have some weeks where he pops off when he finds his groove in the right matchup. I mean, that could be just about it. But most weeks, I think he's going to give you a single-point dud which you want no part of, keep him on the waiver wires for now. Running back Mike Davis, however, he's a must-start, RB1. You know, McCaffrey is still a ways away from playing. And last week, we got to see Mike Davis in full form. He put up huge catch numbers in PPR format, all right? You might call me crazy, but 16 receptions on 17 targets through two weeks since CMC's gone out, that just screams. PPR, RB1 to me. Now, I could eat my words Sunday, but I think you'll be happy starting him statistically, you know, in your flex spot until CMC runs, he, until he gets back. I would fire him up without hesitation. For the Carolina wide receivers, I got DJ Moore as a wide receiver one, Robbie Anderson as a wide receiver two. I even got Curtis Samuel as a flex play, and I'll explain that. But Ian Thomas, I'm going to sit at the tight end position. So far, things have been a struggle for DJ Moore. He had one great week and two duds. The reason I have him as a wide receiver one here, I think it's going to be game script dependent. They're going to play in favor of high passing volume in order to keep up. 
This bodes well for all involved in the passing game for Carolina. I could see DJ Moore popping off for 80 yards and a touchdown in this one. But it also leaves some room to go around for the other guys. Robbie Anderson has been a real surprise. Not usually known for consistency, Anderson has quietly put together a 20 receptions for 278 yards and a touchdown season so far. That puts him in the wide receiver two conversation as long as Christian McCaffrey's out. Now, McCaffrey is the focal point of the offense, so when he comes back, that's going to probably change a little bit. Curtis Samuel, he would normally be a sit for me, but I'm kind of intrigued by his involvement in getting four extra touches as a rusher last week. He could have some sneaky flex value here. As is the case with Arizona, the tight ends are pretty much out of the picture. Next game up, we got the Cleveland Browns at the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to start off with quarterback Baker Mayfield. I got him as a QB1 this week. If you're searching for a weekly streamer at quarterback, just take a hard look at him. Mayfield's play has been up and down, but this Dallas team has surrendered the third most fantasy points to the position, about 30 points per game. This Browns team, obviously they want to run the ball. They're only passing on 50% of their offensive snaps, but they will need to throw the ball if they want to keep up with this Dallas team. Mayfield, to me, is a high-end QB2 with some upside. For the Browns running backs, I got Nick Chubb as an RB1 and Kareem Hunt as an RB2, provided he suits up. He's dealing with a groin issue, so we'll have to monitor that tomorrow, and probably it might even be a game-time decision. Cleveland, they run the ball a lot, like we just mentioned. 96 out of 194 snaps. So these backs, they've been outstanding all season. They've lived up to their draft capital, no doubt. Now, the Cowboys, they're awful against the pass, and they do have a strong defensive line, but I feel like volume is going to surpass the defensive line. So Chubb, I got him as a low-end RB1 this week. Hunt, he should definitely see plenty of playing time if he does suit up, as the Browns are expected to be in more passing situations than their first three games. I think Hunt has massive upside. I hope he does suit up, because I got him in a couple leagues. For receiving options in the Browns, I got Odell Beckham Jr. as a wide receiver, too. I'm sitting Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper. And, Nick, you know, he's kind of been an enigma, Odell. All right, He's commanding nearly 30% of the team's target share, but his production on those targets is kind of abysmal. We've already discussed how little the Browns are throwing the ball, and OBJ has only 120 air yards on the season. Now, perhaps it's all the blocking that the team is asking him to do. Maybe it's quarterback play. I don't know, but I see Odell struggling right now. This matchup, in my opinion, presents a chance for OBJ to bounce back. The Cowboys are certainly a team that he's torched in the past. If he can't do it this week, I'm literally going to drop him down in my rankings week by week. Jarvis Landry, he's been horrible. I need to see it in order to make him even a starter at this position. Same thing goes with Austin Hooper. For the Cowboys, I'm starting Dak Prescott as a QB1. He's off to a hot start through three games. Currently, the fantasy QB4 and leading the league in passing yards. He passes on 70% of his snaps, and he's thrown with more accuracy than he has at any other point in his career. He's doing this behind an injury-riddled offensive line. Definitely fire him up this week without hesitation. For Cowboys running backs, I got Ezekiel Elliott as an RB1, and I'm sitting Tony Pollard. Last week, Elliott was held to just 34 rushing yards, but he did manage to salvage his fantasy day with a short touchdown. 
Seattle was definitely his most his most difficult matchup up to date. The Browns are kind of neutral, in my opinion. Now, they've held opposing running backs to low yardage totals, but the Browns have also given up three touchdowns on the ground so far. I look for this to be a bounce-back week for Elliott. For the Cowboys receivers, I got Amari Cooper as a wide receiver two, CeeDee Lamb as a wide receiver two, Michael Gallup as a flex wide receiver three, Dalton Schultz as a tight end one. The Cowboys, they're a passing juggernaut, and they show no signs of slowing down. Dak has done a nice job early in the season of spreading the ball around three receivers, all right? And they're all inside the top 15 in receiving yards. Dalton Schultz, he's a top 10 among tight ends. Now, with all this love that needs to be spread around, you're asking yourself, well, how does it get done? Dak seems to be doing a fine job of it, all right? At the very bottom, all four of these players are returning at least flex value each week. Next up, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Cincinnati Bengals. Gardner Minshew, I'm sitting this week. Here's the deal. You know, the Bengals' defense, I think we have these preconceived notions that they're simply not good and can be steamrolled any given week. However, they do have some playmakers, and they're not really that bad against the pass. They've actually allowed the eighth-fewest fantasy points to opposing QBs this season, so I'm not interested in starting Gardner Minshew. After what we saw against Miami last week, Minshew just simply isn't a set-it-and-forget-it fantasy QB, despite how bad we want him to be. Me of all people, I'm a huge Minshew fan. Now, this is especially the case when his favorite target, DJ Chark, doesn't suit up. And it's looking like him even playing and being available for week four is bleak. Wherever I have Minshew rostered, I'm just sitting. For the Jags running backs, I got James Robinson as an RB1 start, and Chris Thompson, I'm sitting him. Now, you remember everything that I said about the Bengals' defense being better than you think? Well, go ahead and scratch that in the case of the ground game, all right? Now, they've allowed the second most rushing yards among all teams this season, and RBs against them have averaged five yards per carry. So I like James Robinson as an RB1. Chris Thompson, as far as he goes, He's simply not getting the usage on the ground, which makes him too volatile to start in any leagues at this point. For the Jags receivers, DJ Chark, he, if he plays, I got him as a flex wide receiver three. The same thing with Keelan Cole. Other than that, I'm sitting everybody else on the Jags. For the Bengals, I'm going to start Joe Burrow as a QB two this week. In his three games as a starting quarterback in the Bengals offense, Joe Burrow has looked every part of a franchise quarterback worthy and number one overall pick all right his 64.5 percent completion percentage five tds and only one interception over that time they're pretty impressive for a rookie and now let's also look at what ryan fitzmagic did to the jacksonville jaguars last week i like burrow as a solid qb2 with some qb1 upside for the Bengals running backs i'm going to start joe mixon as an rb2 giovanni bernard we're sitting him the Cincinnati offensive line is bad at protecting the pass, but they're even worse at the run game. And an RB2 prediction is about as good as I'm going to give Joe Mixon any week until we see some better production out of him. I drafted him late in the first round in one league. I think I was picking like 11th. And for a first round draft pick, it's such a huge disappointment. 
with the wide receivers in Cincinnati. I'm starting Tyler Boyd as a wide receiver two and A.J. Green as a wide receiver three. I'm sitting T. Higgins and Drew Sample. Now, Tyler Boyd is the stud that you want in this game as he leads the team in targets, receptions, and yards. He was targeted a whopping 13 times in week three. Now, A.J. Green, he got 13 targets in week two, where he only caught three of them, but he was only targeted six times in week three. I just think that Tyler Boyd, I think he's becoming the absolute number one on this team. All the rage about Drew Sample, I mean, he only got one target in week three, so we're sitting him. Next game up, we got the Minnesota Vikings at the Houston Texans, and we're going to start off by saying we are absolutely sitting Kirk Cousins, 59% completion rate, and he's thrown more interceptions than he has touchdowns in the first three games. Need I say more? Absolutely not. Dalvin Cook, we're starting him as an RB1, and we're going to sit Alexander Madison. Adam Thielen, he's a wide receiver. Three-star for me. We're going to sit Justin Jefferson and Kyle Rudolph. For the Houston Texans, I'm starting Deshaun Watson as a QB1. The Vikings have been very vulnerable through the year this season. Despite only allowing 18 fantasy points per game, I feel like Deshaun Watson is going to be a solid QB1. It's going to be a juicy matchup for him. David Johnson, I'm starting him as an RB2. The Vikings have allowed the seventh most rushing yards on the season, which make Johnson, he's worth an RB2 by default. I'm not going to feel great about it. I'm sitting Duke Johnson. Uh, even though he's come back to practice in a limited fashion, that was Wednesday, he's trending in the right direction. I'd just keep an eye on his status. Until then, I'm going to sit him. Wide receivers for the Texans, Will Fuller, provided he is healthy, uh, I got him as a wide receiver two. Brandon Cooks is a wide receiver three. I'm sitting all other receiving options for the Houston Texans. The next game up, we got the New York Giants at the LA Rams. Starting off with Daniel Jones, I'm sitting him. Now, everybody knew that the Giants' early season schedule would be difficult for Danny Dimes, but this offense has been worse than we could have expected. And Jason Garrett, he's not doing anything to help Jones. He's showing zero creativity and calling the least amount of plays. It's just, it's just, it's a bad situation. So I'm going to sit Danny Dimes. I'm also going to sit all of the running backs. I don't know what's going on in this backfield. So Devontae Freeman's a sit for me. Deion Lewis is a sit for me. Wayne Gallman is a sit for me. We need to wait and see how this backfield shakes out. Who's going to be the man that rises? Darius Slayton, I'm starting him as a flex wide receiver three. He had a bad game last week. I look for him to have a semi bounce back. He's really the best offensive weapon on the team at this point. Golden Tate, I'm sitting. Evan Ingram, I'm going to start him as a tight end one. I believe there's going to be a lot of check downs to him in this game. For the Rams, I got Goff as a QB, too. I think he's going to have a decent game. You know, week one, he was horrible. But weeks two and three, he gave you double digits. Somewhere in the 20s, 23, I believe, was his average in fantasy points. And 28 in week three. So he's been playing some of the best football of his career, some say. I don't necessarily see it. It's probably been a little stealthy, but he's not doing horrible. He did get three TDs last week. So. This is a weak Giants defense. I got him as a QB, too. Daryl Henderson, RB2. I'm sitting Malcolm Brown. And K-Makers, I don't think he's going to play. Daryl Henderson, he had over 100 yards and a touchdown last week. He's doing it consistently. 
uh, almost made him an RB1 start, especially against this Giants defense. So let's just go ahead and say he's an RB2 with some high upside. For the Rams wide receivers and tight ends, I'm going to start Robert Woods as a wide receiver two, Cooper Cup as a wide receiver two, and Tyler Higby as a tight end one. Now, Woods and Cup, they're both co-number one receivers on the team, which makes them wide receiver twos in fantasy by default. Yes, I made that rule. Woods, he leads the team in routes run with 90, but Cup is right behind him with just 88. So it's pretty even. Tyler Higby, he had one monster game, but it's been otherwise kind of meh so far. Let's hope he turns it around. There are some signs of concern, too. He only ran 14 routes last week. So I'm hoping he turns it around. Like I said, it's the Giants' defense. They should definitely just trample all over them. Next up, we got the New England Patriots at the Kansas City Chiefs. Cam Newton, for me, is an absolute QB1 must-start. You know, he's been one of the biggest surprises this season. Not because... He's fantasy relevant again, but because he's actually passing the ball with precision and accuracy. Last week was a bit of a down game for Newton, but that was mainly because the Patriots were running the ball at well. This week, Cam should have every opportunity to get it done on the ground and through the air. This could certainly be a shootout in Arrowhead, and Newton has one of the highest floors of any QB for Week 4, in my opinion. The New England backfield on the other side... Huh. Who even knows what's going on? So Damian Harris and James White, they both returned to practice this week. This leaves everyone's roll up in the air. This is after Rex Burkhead had a monster game last week, and now it just seems like he could fade off into irrelevance again. Honestly, folks, stay away from this backfield. I have no idea what to expect. Julian Edelman for wide receivers. I got him as a wide receiver three. Nikhil Harry, I'm going to sit. Julian Edelman, he should see plenty of volume. And that's about it. Sorry, wish I had more for you. For the Chiefs, okay, so let me just go ahead and ask a question. Does it get any better in life for Patrick Mahomes? I mean, he's got a massive extension, engagement, and now the announcement of him being a father, not to mention that he and the Chiefs are 3-0. and Like, this dude's got kind of a charmed life. Anyhow. Mahomes, he's a must-start in every situation. You are playing him no matter what the concerns you have. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, RB1 this week. Tyreek Hill, I got him as a wide receiver one. I'm sitting everybody else except for Travis Kelsey. He's obviously a tight end one. Next game up, we got the Atlanta Falcons at the Green Bay Packers. My boy Matty Ice, I'm going to start him as a QB1, a low-end QB1. And this is really only because it has nothing to do with him being able to perform in this game. I believe it's going to be a high-scoring game. But we don't know the situation with Julio Jones and Russell Gage. If they're back in the mix this week, then he's going to be an absolute high-end stud. However, if he doesn't have him, he's going to have to do a lot of improvisation. I still got him as a low-end QB1 in that regard. For the running backs in Atlanta, I'm really not too keen on Todd Gurley this week. I got him as a low-end RB3. I think that Atlanta's going to find themselves in a situation where the running game is going to become irrelevant. Right? He might see some passing volume, but not much. Now, I, I'm saying this, and Julio Jones and Russell Gage could end up not seeing the field, and that's going to increase the passing volume for Todd Gurley. So, yeah, maybe an RB3, 
Proceed with caution, though, folks. We're going to sit Brian Hill. Wide receivers, Julio Jones, you're going to start him if he's active as a wide receiver, too. Calvin Ridley, wide receiver one, no doubt about it. Uh, Russell Gage, he's startable, wide receiver three, if Julio isn't active. If Julio is active, I'm really not that interested in Russell Gage. He's just too boomer bust. Hayden Hurst, he's a high-end tight end two for me. For the Green Bay Packers, I'm starting Aaron Rodgers as a QB1, even with you know the receivers being banged up. Look, Atlanta, they're allowing the second most passing yards per game this season. Rodgers put up a QB1 performance last week against the Saints without his wide receiver one. So what do you think he's going to do to Atlanta this week? Exactly. Aaron Jones, start him as an RB1. I'm sitting everybody else in that backfield. Aaron Jones is RB1 territory, in my opinion, every week. Wide receivers, we don't really know what is going on with Devontae Adams. He could be active. He's practicing. But I think he's going to be extremely limited. We already said earlier in the episode that Alan Lazard was out indefinitely. So I'm going to start Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Boomer bust. But I'm going to start him as a wide receiver three this week. And let's just see what happens. And that wraps it up for today's episode. Episode 19 starts and sits by matchup. Part one for week four. Damn. I got to find a way to reduce that a little bit, huh? Anyway, you can find us over at Spotify, Anchor, Twitter, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Like, share, follow with your buddies. Do all the good stuff. Help us out. We're going to be back to give you part two tomorrow. Love the Fantasy Football Sage family. Until next time, peace. Ding, dang, walla, walla, bing, bang.